Hi coaches, I hope your season's going well. Today I interview Amy Bryant. Amy is actually the first female in NCAA history to win the national team championship as both a player and a coach. She has been the head coach of the Emory women's tennis team since 2000 and has collected a number of impressive achievements along the way. However, what many of you probably don't know about Amy is that she has spearheaded an integrity initiative known as Locker Room Talks, which has become an important addition to the Emory Athletic Department's operations. She's joined in the podcast by Audrey Hester, who's the Assistant AD for Student Athlete Success and Compliance at Emory. Between them, they explain how and why they started this program, how it has developed over the last few years, and also provide suggestions as to how college coaches can work to infuse their own teams and athletic departments with a culture of integrity. I think it's an important conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, hello, Amy and Audrey. Welcome to the ITA College Tennis Coaches Podcast. Thanks for being on with me today. Thanks for having us. Definitely. Hello. Hello. Okay, so we are discussing integrity today. So something that is definitely on the minds of, of the ITA and, and, and uh, our CEO, Tim Russell, has been discussing this since he's come on board uh, a few years ago. And uh, I think it's something that, um, you know, continues to need to be looked at and, and, and focused upon. And, and what you guys have done at Emory is is very exciting and I think something coaches can can learn a lot from you guys today. So a couple of years ago, Emory committed to fostering a culture of integrity through a series of new programs, uh, which both of you were at the forefront of implementing. So can you tell us what a culture of integrity looks like and why did you believe it was important for you guys to be involved in this process with your athletic department? Yeah, so from a coach's perspective, a place with a culture of integrity is somewhere that isn't defined by wins and losses, but rather by the intangibles and the unquantifiables that um, we as coaches add to a program. For example, helping a student athlete through a tough time uh, should feel just as important or more than winning a big match. Um, As a student athlete, I believe a place with a culture of integrity looks like a place where uh, peers regulate each other's behaviors in a healthy and positive and proactive way. Um, It was important for us to be involved, um, and me personally, because I've been on a journey uh, after 20 years of coaching to really discover and embrace the deeper meaning and impact of what I've been doing as a coach and the value that I provide to student athletes and the community within which um, I work. Mm -hmm. So um, the whole integrity program kind of uh, was created as a result of that journey. Okay. And, and my experience is in athletic departments, I was coach my, myself for, for 12 years and, and obviously a student athlete as well, but they talk a lot about integrity, both uh, from the administrative mm-hmm. point of view and, and coaches um, point of view as well, but they rarely come up with a systematic way to even attempt to implement a culture of integrity. So why do you believe Emory have been able to make this a priority with their teams and coaches? Well, I think the timing of the launch of the program was critical to, to its success. Um, we, we started our program right around the time um, that uh, our president, Donald Trump, 
I used the infamous excuse of locker room talk Mm. in response to uh, being called out for misogynistic comments. Um, Additionally, around the same time, there were a number of cases in the media highlighting some of our peer institutions and their teams engaging in negative conduct. Um, So once things hit really close to home, it feels um, like something really worthy of our attention. Um, So, uh, that's that's really, I think, how it was able to make integrity a, pr- a priority, mm-hmm. our department. Um, I can highlight some of the topics we've discussed just to um, make it a little bit more understandable. Yeah, so um, we've, we've talked about um, teams that have been found to have sexually explicit scouting reports, um, or they've participated in racist, sexist, or sexist or homophobic messaging on social media. Um, we've discussed issues in sexual orientation, um, focusing on Michael Sam's experience. We've um, discussed uh, the, the debate over paying college, collegiate student athletes, mm. talked about Con Kaeper- Kaepernick and activism in athletics, um, transgender student athletes, and performance legitimacy with the discussion about the Harvard transgender swimmer, uh, Schuler Baylor. Uh, we talked about social media and team policies, um, mental health, um, creating inclusive environments and um, winning coaches being untouchable, even at the division three level. And uh, we've also discussed the place of religion in college athletics and access to our student athletes for religious groups. So a very broad range of topics, but all hot button issues. Um, I think uh, the reason that our program really gained continued momentum was due to the structure of the program. So we set them up to be very short talks during existing head coaches and um, student athlete meetings. So since they're short, they, um, you know, it doesn't feel like you're required to be there for anything outside of the commitment you would have been there already, mm-hmm. um, especially because they're already within the confines of a scheduled meeting. Um, and furthermore, during each of the discussions, we relay a disclaimer that um, these are safe spaces for reflection, discussion, suggestions among peers. Um, there's no repercussions coming out of these uh, conversations. And um, what we found is that uh, after a few meetings with with prompts, coaches and student athletes, both in their separate meeting spaces, started bringing their own issues to the table for discussion. So it it appears that all along there have been gnawing questions and concerns in the minds of coaches and student athletes about, about all sorts of topics. But now we've provided this opportunity to find answers and provide support. So um, this kind of systematic implementation of the program where we have conversations about topics in the head coaches meetings and in the SAC meetings at the same time, it allows for everyone in the department to make it a priority. Mm-hmm. And when everyone's on the same page by discussing the same issues at the same time, it creates a real culture of support and understanding and open communication. Yeah, that sounds incredible, and some I'm sure some fascinating conversations that you you guys have been having. So, so if if there's a college tennis coach out there that really wants to 
adopt uh, some of the, the, the things that you've just mentioned there, um, but they don't feel like they can, you know, influence their athletic department to adopt it in the way in which, which you guys at Emory have, how could they maybe do this within their own teams? You know, could they maybe sure. combine with another team or, or uh, what would be your suggestions as to how they could at least get started and maybe from there it, it grows throughout the athletic department? Sure. I mean, I really simply, um, I think that a coach could just start by bringing a case study or an article to practice once a month, mm-hmm. um, set aside five, 10 minutes for a brief discussion, have prompts ready. Prompts could be as simple as how does this make you feel? How would you respond to a situation like this? How could you avoid a situation like this? And then um, after maybe a few discussions, so a couple months, uh, move to having the student athletes bring their own ideas and topics to the table. So I really believe that engagement is key. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you shift the conversation facilitation to the student athlete and you just let them talk without judgment or consequence, you'll wind up learning a lot about what, what is actually going on in the world of the student athlete. Um, but I would caution um, coaches from being too involved. So there's some topics that student athletes will just not feel comfortable discussing in front of their coach. Mm. So, um, you know, if you're able to get the program going, uh, then I recommend having captains take it over and lead their own discussions or have the SAC, the student athlete committees take it over and, and do it in a safe space where there are no coaches. So again, all that's required is a little push at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, just a little bit of research, finding some articles that maybe touch upon some hot topic issues, but that are not directly related to your program, but are close mm-hmm. um, and relatable. Um, and once the conversation floodgates open, it's remarkable to learn about all the things people have wanted to discuss and learn about, but didn't know how to engage in conversation. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and you've written, you know, sorry, you've written a number of articles, um, on this topic and, and thank you for sharing them with them with me. And I'll definitely share them with our audience through, through the education newsletter that we send out every couple of weeks. But in one of the articles, you stated that student athletes are learning to pause for ethical reflection and to practice principled action. Can you kind of tell us what that means, how it looks in real time and how, um, student athletes, uh, can engage in these practices consistently? Yeah. So, um, in real time, I, I want to see student athletes telling their peers in a, a potentially negative situation, wait, this doesn't feel right. I want an internal litmus test to, to surface. And I want student athletes to know how to be an active bystander. Um, I'm going to kick this over to Audrey because she does some active bystander training with our student athletes and she can talk a little bit more about um, her programming there. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, um, as part of this integrity initiative, we also do some leadership workshops with our student athletes. Um, and last spring, we actually did a workshop that was titled Active Bystanders as Leaders. Um, and so with those workshops, with the locker room talks with our student athletes, I think what we're doing is just building time for reflection for our students. Our students and probably students on every camp- campus just kind of have this go, go, go mentality, that hustle culture. Um, but what I think is lacking sometimes is just pausing and reflecting on their experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I read somewhere, and now I can't remember where, but 
reflection is what links our performance to our potential. And so for an athlete, that's so important to reflect on how did you perform? What went well? What didn't go well? How can we improve? But it's also uh, a really important skill as we build leaders. Um, and athletics is that avenue where we help our student athletes kind of recognize their potential in life, their potential as a leader in life. Um, and leaders have to pause and reflect and evaluate what are my values? What kind of example do I want to set? Um, and so this practice of reflection, building that time for kind of ethical reflection for our student athletes uh, is a lesson that we're hoping um, lasts, you know, far beyond their years here at Emory. It, it impacts them beyond the match or the court um, and really builds leaders in life through this kind of built reflection that we allow our student athletes to engage in with themselves and each other. Okay, and then Amy, I mean, you've been in college tennis for a long time. What what kind of actions do you see that are displayed, you know, uh, consistently through the years that, that show a lack of integrity, whether it's from, from teams or coaches, and, and how do you believe our sport would be better served if these actions were reduced or, or even eliminated completely? Well, some of the more obvious um, acts of uh, lack of integrity are with bad line calls. I mean, we're the only sport where you call your own line. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. But also score mix-ups during matches at, you know, pivotal times in the match. Um, and um, coaches, you know, I just don't see them intervening every time they could. I, I often see coaches uh, looking away, like they, they can't see what's happening on the court. Mm. Um, you know, coaches also will stack their lineups to have a better chance of winning. Mm -hmm. The players always know when their lineup's not in strength order. Um, and, and I think, you know, our sport would be better served if, if our coaches really embraced the knowledge that our players follow and learn from our actions. Mm -hmm. um, it's really important that we remember that we have a far greater impact on our student athletes than the score. And I believe that, you know, student athletes' behaviors and future career endeavors show direct correlation to what they learned on their college sports teams from their coaches. Mm. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And and then so, I mean, obviously this you've had this ethics curriculum in place now for a couple of years, but but what are some of the things initially that, that the coaches and players really struggle to fully embrace? Well, a couple of things. So we've had a couple of discussions that have gone well into the 30 to 40 minute mark, and that's just too long. You start to sense um, resentment and aggravation and people sitting around the table for having to sit there for that long. Um, so we found limiting discussions to 10 to 20 minutes with a hard stop at 25 minutes is really an appreciated gesture. Um, additionally, if we discussed issues that were too similar in content, in subsequent meetings, we would uh, sense some resistance in some coaches, maybe some defensiveness. For example, um, when we discovered different cases, but all surrounding the same issue of misogyny, mm -hmm. um, in three back-to-back -back meetings, I found that the male coaches became very defensive, or male team coaches, I should say, became very defensive, defensive by the second and third discussion, but the first discussion was incredibly productive. So I think keeping the topics uh, varied is, is really important. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So, I mean, on, on the flip side of that then, so what were some of the things that were maybe challenging at the beginning that, that th maybe you thought would not be adopted, but after a while made a big difference in that culture and, and has kind of infused the, the athletic department? Yeah, so at the beginning, um, in the first meeting, I was so nervous that nobody would participate. I would ask a question and be faced with the sound of crickets. But um, I presented in that meeting a fictitious scenario about basketball and the wrong free throw shooter being a awarded the free throw and being sent to the line. Um, and we actually wound up having a robust conversation about referee responsibility versus player responsibility versus coach responsibility. And it allowed multiple points of view to surface. So we, then we fast to fast forward a few coaches meetings. We had, um, we wound up having coaches asking to bring topics to the table. So it was astounding to see every coach participate in the discussion. Hmm. Um, and then I'll, I'll kick to Audrey because she had some um, interesting experiences with the student athletes as well. Um, the, with some challenging experiences at the beginning and, and now things are just really taking off. Sure. So I would say with the locker room talks that we do in the student athlete advisory committee, the SAC meetings, it was similar, um, you know, kind of started out. I would come up with Amy with some articles and bring them to the SAC meetings and develop the questions for the students and facilitate those conversations. But now uh, we have different teams working together to come up with what we're going to talk about in those meetings. They facilitate the conversation. So um, that has really grown. Um, and then with the leadership workshops that I mentioned earlier, you know, initially the concern there was, will student athletes come to these workshops? Mm -hmm. um, and they do, which is great, but it kind of was initially getting the word out to the student athletes, making sure coaches were bought in and on board and helping us uh, spread the word that these workshops were happening. Um, but what's key there, uh, getting the student athletes to show up, one, free food always helps. <laughs> um, so we feed them, but also making sure we're not adding um, a huge time demand for them. Mm -hmm. So we do uh, one 90-minute workshop each semester. Um, and these workshops are really tailored um, to student athlete development, really organized under a student athlete development lens. Um, and so they kind of work through a curriculum over their four years, starting with going to a workshop uh, that really focuses on individual values, behavior, mindset. Um, and then the next year in the fall, they'll go to a workshop uh, that's more about being a leader on your team. How do you influence others? Um, interacting with difference on your team. And then in their fourth year, um, looking at what does it mean to be a leader in life? And so then that's a again, a place for reflection. How do you take the lessons you've learned as a student athlete and think about how that will guide you during your time after Emory? Um, and so those have worked well. I would say um, the feedback forms that I get after the workshop, student athletes are always saying, can we do more of this? And so I think that shows that we started with a lower time demand and now we're getting to a space where students are eager to do a little more of that work. And so as we grow the program, I'm excited to see what that looks like for our students. Yeah, that's that's exciting to hear how interested the student athletes are and, and their willingness to spend more time on this topic. So ha have you guys seen 
I mean, uh, actionable differences in the behavior of student athletes and coaches? I mean, is, is it subtle or is it, is it more, you know, um, transparent than that? And, and you kind of kind of see it in, in the actions every time they they go to compete or you go to watch another team compete um, on campus or off campus or wherever it is. Is, is this do you really feel like this is impacting um, your athletic department, your coaches, your student athletes in, in, a, in a positive and, and an obviously positive way? I do. I think, uh, you know, this is where I see the student athletes pausing for ethical reflection and taking principled action. I mean, I'll have student athletes come up to me and say, hey, Amy, did you hear that article or that or did you read that article? I hear that story in the news about such and such a school and their their athletics program and what happened. So, again, it's just a matter of it being in the forefront of their mind, um, which is where I haven't seen things in the past. I think in the past. We would hear in the news about, you know, perhaps more professional athletes and maybe some bigger Division One schools that, you know, just seem so far away from what we're doing here mm-hmm. that um, it didn't seem worth even thinking about or reflecting upon uh, whatever was happening there. And I think, you know, now that we're talking about it, there's something relatable in, in every discussion that we've had. So. Again, just that open communication and having it be across the board with yeah. coaches, student athletes, um, you know, everyone talking about the same thing. I definitely see the awareness um, up and, and that being translated into the actions of mm-hmm. our student athletes and coaches. Audrey, do you agree? I agree. And I would also add kind of where we can get those tangible examples is through our Elevated Eagle Award. Um, And so this is a monthly spotlight um, where our student athlete advisory committee actually votes, votes people nominate. So it could be peers, or it could be our student athletes, coaches, someone in the department um, can nominate a student athlete that month to win the Elevated Eagle based on um, their acts of integrity. And so every month we spotlight a student athlete. So we, you know, and our student athletes are doing wonderful things in the classroom, in their social lives, um, in the communities, with their teams, just across the board. And so those are where we see those tangibles. And it's everything from a student athlete who does an incredible number of volunteer hours at the children's hospital to a student athlete who recognized maybe a freshman on their team uh, needed some help transitioning uh, onto the team or in a class. And so they, you know, ran extra time with them so that they could improve their times or they helped them in one of their classes and did some tutoring. So I just think we see our student athletes supporting each other um, as well as other students on campus and the community. So that's a fun way we see the impact um, and celebrate it as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. And uh, so what what message would you maybe have for, say, a Power 5 NCAA Division 1 coach who says, oh, that's that's nice. That's sweet. Uh, sounds great for for Division Three, but just not possible here for me to spend you know time on this topic or really uh, you know uh, change my my players' line calls or you know the other team's going to stack and they're going to cheat. So I've I've you know I'm, I'm going to turn a blind eye to it. Um, what what message would you have for that coach, or do you have one? <laughs> yeah, oh, I do. <laughs> Um, I just don't think that differentiating between divisions is a real tenable excuse. Um, 
you know, divisions to me are label. Um, what we do at the core of coaching is the same, no matter the division. We want to see these student athletes succeed on the court and off. If we're only doing this for the on-court wins, we're missing the bigger picture. And, um, you know, I think if an AD's expectations for their coaches do not include an emphasis on integrity, then I'd be, I'd be really concerned about a wider systemic issue at that institution. Um, especially when you consider today's climate of social media, legal scrutiny, public access to knowledge, we're vulnerable on so many fronts. So, you know, what we've seen time and time again in the news are these unfortunate events at programs that are so hyper-focused on the wins and bringing in revenue that they neglect to head off or take control of a horrible situation before it becomes a publicity nightmare. And um, an example that comes to my mind is um, a prominent basketball coach who was abusing his players and administrators covered it up for years because he won. Mm -hmm. Um, And eventually it came out. Uh, But what, what struck me about the whole situation is that the coach believed he was doing what he thought was best for his players. Mm -hmm. The only way that he knew how, and he'd been doing it for many, many years. And, the truth about being a coach is that there's not any continuing educational requirements to maintain your license, so to speak. Um, I believe that good coaches have a growth mindset Mm -hmm. um, and they want to learn new techniques. um, And that's not related to the division that you're at. Um, And as administrators, shouldn't we be working to educate our coaches to learn different ways so we don't get stuck in a potential negative coaching style circle and um you know i just really believe that that should be an expectation at any division yeah no absolutely and and i do find it interesting that athletic departments you know they're hiring these coaches um to work with you know this this important age category of 18 to 22 23 year olds um yet they don't necessarily provide the support then for these coaches and, and those continuing education opportunities and even a budget for continuing education. And, um, yeah, it is, it is a shame and, and something that hopefully, um, things like this podcast can, can help our coaches moving forward. But, uh, we'll, we'll get into that more another day. But in one of your articles, you state that uh, a coach can no longer claim that they did not know something negative was occurring within their team and that it's their duty to know. So how, how do you help or advise coaches in maintaining a level of awareness that's as to what's going on with their team at all times? Yeah, I think, I mean, we're all familiar with the proverbial don't ask, don't tell philosophy, but, you know, legally that argument doesn't fly and anymore. And in the news, we've seen coaches and administrators lose their jobs because they've claimed to not know about a negative situation occurring, but they should have known based Mm -hmm. on their position. So um, it's our responsibility as teachers and mentors uh, to the student athletes to know what's going on. And I think to do that, you need to listen and those bus and van rides to what, what, what the beat is. What the, what's the pulse of the team? What are they talking about? What are the issues? Have um, good open relationships with your captains and your assistant coaches. Um, and make sure that everyone is trained at recognizing red flags. So interventions can occur when appropriate. I mean, I just can't talk more, you know, or can't emphasize enough the importance of education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And 
how going through this process, Amy, how has it maybe changed the way that you coach and think about the role of a coach in general? Um, well, in my head, there's, there's definitely an internal voice that wasn't there when I started coaching 20 years ago. It's constantly questioning the things that I say and I do. It's always asking, what's the difference between my intent and my impact here? Um, so, you know, I think some of that's probably maturity, but, but the other piece of that is just knowledge and, and that education piece. Mm. Okay. So you're constantly trying to educate yourself and keep yourself up to date and, and by having these conversations as well with other coaches and with your student athletes, <clears throat> you feel like that's helping, uh, the way you're thinking about your role as a coach. I mean, are there any are, are there any things that have come up in the last couple of years or any conversations you've had with student athletes that have really changed the way you think about your profession? Um, no, I just think as a general theme, um, you know, the more competitive we are as coaches, the more we tend to lose sight of what's really important um, you know, we want to win. Like that's, that's what, that's what this is all about. Right. But is it, you know, so just checking in. And I think the conversations that I've had that have really impacted that questioning in my head, um, are actually my alums and the alums have, you know, come back to me and said, Amy, do you remember when you did this for me? You helped me through this situation or you, um, you know, provided a consequence for me because of this, like that changed my life, mm. whatever that, whatever it was. And so that I think has really guided how I act and behave now is hearing what I did in the past and how that impacted mm. um, my, you know, past student athletes. Yeah, no, I, I hadn't thought about it in that way before. And, and, yeah, I think as coaches, sometimes are so focused on on the next season, the next recruit, the next win, or whatever it is, and and even when we get that wonderful feedback from from alumni and former student athletes, we tend to overlook it and say, yeah, yeah, it's, that's nice, that's that's nice of you to say right, that. Right. But we we then get back to focusing on what's ahead, and it's it's maybe actually maybe as coaches are are feeling down or they're having a tough season or they feel under pressure maybe it is going back to look at the cards or letters or emails they've received from from student athletes or picking up the phone and reconnecting with a, a former student athlete and and uh um that might be be a way to get them out of their own head and and uh no, I, I hadn't thought about it in that way before. That's great. So um, then lastly, I, I guess, I mean, it's kind of, we, we've touched upon this several times, but how would you encourage coaches to, to balance their desire to win with the obligation to teach more important li lessons in life? Uh, you know, how are they intertwined at times or, or are they just two separate worlds that need to be uh, facilitated at different times? No, I definitely think they're intertwined. Um, and I say to recruits, whenever I'm asked, what's your coaching philosophy? You know, I say that my philosophy is to develop you as a, as a student athlete into a confident adult who's able to go out in the world and get whatever, whatever job you want to get, whatever career you want to get, but you want, you have the confidence to do that because of all of your experience 
as a student athlete because of all the competitiveness, because of the team, because of everything that we're doing on the road and, and all that, you gain the confidence there. So I think it's very intertwined, but um, encouraging coaches, you know, it, it again, it just boils down to remembering that your impact on these young person's lives extends so much farther than the match you're playing at the very moment. Um, you know, the 10 to 20 years down the road, your student athletes aren't going to remember the match that you're potentially coaching right now. So they're going to remember the lessons that you taught them during that match. Hmm. Okay. Well, Amy and Audrey, we've, we've covered a lot. There is so many things to, to pull out of that and some, some great advice for coaches. Is there anything else you'd like to add on, on, on this integrity piece that we've maybe missed? I don't have anything, Audrey. I don't have anything. Okay. No, I just okay. want to say, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for covering it because um, I think that if more schools adopt a program of integrity and, and make a commitment to fostering a culture of integrity in their programs that, um, you know, you can really, again, make a huge impact and much farther than uh, an impact that, that extends much farther than just winning national titles. Yeah, definitely. No, the so, I think the world would be a better place for sure. Right. Yeah. The one thing, uh, one thing I would add that I don't know that we touched on, but from a administrative perspective, I think what Amy has started um, and has grown here is such a great example of how we can kind of break down the silos that we have in athletics departments far mm -hmm. too often. You have administrators, coaches, student athletes, but this has really broken those down and said, we're going to work together on this and we're going to work together towards a culture of integrity. Um, and so you have coaches having conversations that are the same conversations the student athletes are having together. And then we're learning from each other and celebrating each other's successes. So I just think I give kudos to Amy for starting this. And then it's really exciting to see it continue to grow. No, that's, I've had conversations with coaches recently where where they really feel like they they're alone within the athletic department and that uh, mm -hmm. they feel like the the administrators aren't necessarily being held accountable for decisions they're being uh, making and 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 the student athletes that the student athletes can do no wrong either and and uh, the coaches are are feeling quite alone so um no some some great points so hats off to you Amy for for leading the charge there and and bringing those uh, or breaking out those silos and, and bringing the athletic department closer together and student athletes. And um, no, I think that's something um, coaches would, would want to be a part of and student athletes and administrators. So uh, well done on leading the charge and anything we can do here to, to promote your message and, and what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, I'll definitely do my best to help. So thank you for, for all your time today. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate guys. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks again for coming on and uh, best of luck this season. Thanks. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. Please remember to inform your players about the Tennis for America applications, which will be closing February 29th. Please encourage those that meet the criteria to apply as soon as possible.